Hey everyone, welcome to the Naz Church Weekly Message Podcast. Here you will listen to the preaching pastors from the Naz in Grove City, Ohio. We pray you are inspired by their teachings. Man, I gotta tell you, uh, we're in this series right now, Become Part of the Story, that culminates at Easter. And, and this morning, I wanna share a couple, actually just a bunch of stories with you. You see, I've had the privilege recently of seeing a few different people in different situations encounter Jesus, and I've got to be on the front row and see it happen uh, because we know, and hopefully you know, that when someone encounters Jesus, someone encounters Jesus, it changes everything, doesn't it? Right? And so I hope today that you've come ready to encounter Jesus. I want to talk about interruptions this morning and and maybe what I want to do, and it'll probably give you a glimpse into my life, is share what a typical morning looks like in the Morrison household. Interruptions. None of y'all were interrupted this morning, were you? Because a typical morning for me looks like this. The alarm goes off, and then I jump right out of bed. No, I'm kidding. I hit the snooze. Any snoozers here? Any fellow snoozers? Bless you. Bless you. I understand, and the Lord is pleased with you. Because we hit the snooze, you know, I got eight more minutes, right? We set the alarm. Really, I, you know, I got to be up at six, but man, really, six, 16 is when I really should be up. And you lay in bed and you start to think of like, well, let's start working backwards. I know I need to leave at 7.20. And so in order to leave at 7.20, I need a 15-minute shower. And then I only need five minutes to get a cup of coffee. And I need five minutes to get, well, I can wake up at 6.45. Do you do this? Yeah. Logical thinkers. And uh, so I get up and my wife and I, we start getting ready. And, and you know, the thing that my logic always forgets is children. The children come into the equation. And so we're running around, we've hit the snooze a couple times, we're trying to get ready, brushing the teeth, and I hear bump, 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 knock on the door. Dad! Bump, 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 bump. Dad! I'm like, if we ignore them, they'll go away. <laughs> you know that's not true. Dad, bump, 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 bump. What? What do you want? I can't hear you through the door. Go away. <laughs> Are these accurate, honey? Okay. I'm not just, I'm not just embellishing. And finally, I open it. What do you want? Dad, I can't find my toothbrush anywhere. Well, what do I look like? The toothbrush king? You think I know where your toothbrush is? Are you kidding me? Go find your toothbrush. <sighs> Shut the door. 30 seconds later, bump, bump, bump. It's my daughter. Dad, can't find my clothes this morning. Baby, didn't I tell you to put your clothes out before you went to bed last night? Dad, I can't find my clothes this morning. Golly, you know? And it's one interruption after another. We get to the door, and for some reason, we can't find shoes and coats. Even though we have a distinct 
room right by the front door that these things go in every single time? Or they're supposed to? You're making me late. You're interrupting me. Where's your backpack? Oh, Dad, I forgot my lunch, right? It's just interruption after interruption. Or, or, or uh, maybe more seriously, I had an instance uh, this last week where my daughter was having a rough day and was emotional, and she wanted to talk to Daddy. And uh, she's talking to me, and I'm like, uh-huh, 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 yeah, uh-huh. Okay, yeah, mm-hmm, okay, yeah, maybe, don't you think you're maybe being a little dramatic? Uh-huh, mm-hmm, okay. And realizing I stopped myself, I'm like, what do I really wanna do? Well, honestly, what I really wanted to do was go sit down and watch the new episode of The Mandalorian, you know, or the, whatever. But she was interrupting me. And so my wife was amazing and gave me a look. I was like, oh, <laughs> I need to be interrupted. Or later in the week, my other son comes up to me and says, hey, Dad, do you want to play FIFA? FIFA on the Xbox? And uh, I said, well, I don't know why you want to play against someone that beats you every single time. <laughs> I'm kidding. I, I believe my son's around here. He's actually helping with the online ministry, and I just wanted to say that publicly. <laughs> but... Part of me just wanted to sit in my chair, right? I wanted to sit in my chair. It was the first chance I felt like I had gotten to sit down all day and I just wanted to get on my phone and I wanted to scroll. But one of the things that I've realized is that in moments like that, I never regret being interrupted. That when I finally am able to engage, I don't walk away thinking, man, I wish I wouldn't have spent time with my son. Man, I wish I wouldn't have helped her find her toothbrush. It doesn't work that way. And it's the same thing with the Lord, that when you have an encounter with the Lord, and I believe this with all of my heart, that God likes to interrupt us, doesn't he? That God's timing is not our timing, and God's ways are not our ways, and uh, God's control of things is not my control, even though I try to control God. None of y'all do that, right? But often when the Lord interrupts us, when we surrender in those moments, God does amazing things. And so I'm gonna share a scripture with you this morning. But before I do that, I wanna say a simple prayer together. Because I wanna ask you a question. Are you ready for the Lord to interrupt you right now? Are you ready for God to interrupt you? Are you ready for God to interrupt your, your stress some of y'all are stressed out because you got the kids to church and you were 15 minutes late and that's okay. Some of y'all are stressed out because you had an argument in the car on the way here. Some of y'all are stressed out because your kids lost their shoes. And in this moment, God is wanting to say, hey, hold on, pause. I wanna interrupt you today. If that's you, I wanna say a simple prayer together. Everyone say, Lord, Interrupt me. That's our prayer today. Open your Bibles to Mark chapter five. We're gonna be in verse 25, and while you're opening up to Mark chapter five, I wanna share what's happening. You see, Jesus, we're halfway through Mark chapter five at this point because Jesus had spent part of his time across the lake. 
And as he was across the lake, he encountered a demon-possessed man that the Bible tells us was so possessed that chains couldn't even hold him down. In fact, he would run around amongst the tombs, screaming and cutting himself. People could not control this man. And then Jesus shows up, uh, and this demon-possessed man comes up to Jesus, and Jesus, with compassion, casts the demons out of that man. And it's an interesting story because he sends these demons into a, a group of pigs that run into the bay and drown themselves, and this man is healed completely, and the people didn't know what to do with Jesus, and so Jesus did a miracle, interrupted their lives, and they go to Jesus, and they say, Jesus, leave. Please leave. Leave us alone. So Jesus gets in the boat and he crosses to the other side of the lake. And Jesus really couldn't even land the boat really without a crowd of people around him. People that needed a miracle, they weren't totally sure who Jesus was, but they knew he was a healer, so they were gonna try to be around Jesus. And so Jesus lands, steps out of the boat, there's this crowd there, and a religious leader is waiting for Jesus. His name was Jairus, and the Bible tells us that Jairus falls on his feet or his knees before Jesus and says, Jesus, my daughter is dying. Can you please come help her? Interestingly enough, we don't find in this story that he falls on his knees to Jesus and says, Jesus, you are Messiah. You are the Son of God. You are everything that you say they are, that you are. You're my savior, you're my Lord, you're all these things. No, 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 it doesn't say that. Because I think this man does what you and I would do. For someone you love, it was that last shot. It was that last chance and saying, Jesus, can you come heal her? I don't know who you are, and I'm not totally sure everything that you say, but would you come heal her? And so Jesus doesn't condemn this man, but says, all right, let's go. And that's where the interruption picks up here. On the way to heal a religious leader's daughter who was dying. And we find another person in this story. Mark chapter five, verse 25. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out for him, from him, so he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, 
Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. You see, this is actually a really crazy story, and it it sounds straightforward, but let's dig into it a little bit. You see, you had a woman who was unclean. We'll come back to that in a second who had suffered with an illness for 12 years, is at the end of her rope. She's standing in the back of the crowd, and she has to try something. I wonder how long this woman followed Jesus from the background. Knowing that she needed healed, knowing she was unclean, knowing that she was standing on the outside, looking in, seeing Jesus heal person after person after person, knowing that she herself was one of those that needed a miracle. So there must have been something special about that day. Because in a moment of courage, she says, today's the day. And she cuts through the crowd and she pushes through and she makes her way to Jesus. If only I could touch his robe, then maybe I'll be healed. And then I could slip away unnoticed. I'm not totally sure who he is or what he is, but I know he's a healer and I need healed. And it was significant that she pushes through the crowd. As I talk about clean versus unclean, you see she had this issue of blood for 12 years, which would make her ceremonially unclean, meaning that she could not be in contact with other people. So for the last 12 years, as she spent every penny she's had trying to get better so that she can go worship, so that she can go be around other people, so that she can be happy and so her life can return to normal again. For 12 years, has lived in isolation on the edge of society, avoided by other people. I think a lot of us could probably relate to that, couldn't we? That over these last few years, we've learned a lot about isolation, what it means to be alone, what it means to feel like people may want, not want to be around you or you question if you should be around them. But in this moment, this woman pushes through the crowd. Unclean and guess what? Every person she's touching, she is contaminating. Potentially making them unclean, but it didn't matter because she wanted to get to Jesus. And when she does, she grazes Jesus' robe and she's healed and only she would know. She was healed as an internal bleeding thing but everything had changed and she tries to slip away and Jesus says, who touched me? I felt power come out of me. Now here's the thing, I wanna stop right there because as we talk about unclean people, The truth is, and it applies to today, that anytime Jesus is around or Jesus can be found, unclean people will be there. Broken, hurting, 
nasty, smelly people with drama, with issues, with troubles, and they're standing on the outside trying to get the courage to say, you know what, if I could just touch Jesus, maybe that would change things. I'm not totally convinced about who Jesus is, maybe. But I know that I've tried everything else in this world and nothing is working. Maybe if I could just touch Jesus, maybe that would help. Church, if Jesus is here, oh, there's gonna be people that are a mess. Were you ever one of those? Have you been there? And then the other part of that, if you're one of the crowd following Jesus, unclean people are gonna run into you, and guess what, that doesn't make you unclean. In fact, what would it look like when an unclean or a messy person with problems, a person that needs healing, all of these other things runs into you, what do they find? In fact, I have conversations with people all the time and say, I don't know what it is about me, but man, these weird people are all drawn to me. And so I say, I think you're just a dysfunctional person. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. That may be part of it. But the truth is, when Christ lives inside of you, people that are a mess could be drawn to the Jesus in you. And the question is gonna be that when they reach out, when they touch your robe, when they encounter you, what do they find? What do they encounter? Do they encounter someone that says, hey, you know, too much drama for me, buddy. Stay away. I don't like what's going on in your life. Come talk to me when you get it figured out. Or do they find Jesus? When Jesus is there, unclean people that are a mess will be drawn to you and they're gonna interrupt your lives. Jesus says, who touched me? And the Bible says this frightened woman fell at his feet. And one of the things I want you to remember is that Jesus was on his way with a religious leader to go heal a child that was dying. But I find it really interesting with Jesus because I'm putting myself in the shoes of Jairus who I'm like, Jesus, can you walk any faster? My daughter is sick. And then when Jesus stops because, hey, who touched me? Jesus, are you kidding me? Let's go. Hold on. Someone touched me. I felt power go out. And one of the things that we realize in the kingdom of God is that it doesn't matter what your status is in this world, if you're a high religious leader, a special person in the community, or in this case, an unclean outcast, Jesus will always stop for you. No matter what, Jesus cares about you, not your station or what other people think about you. He knows you, and he will stop for you. As we talk about interruptions, Man, I have to tell you, I should never preach a sermon on interruptions because I've been interrupted so many times this week. I think the Lord was trying to test my patience. Now, I tell you, some of the interruptions were scheduled interruptions, but other ones weren't. I remember the day I went to write this message. 
And the Lord worked it out where I was able to have lunch with a friend and we talked for three hours and we got to talk about how God healed him and he had open heart surgery and God saved his life. It was amazing and I think he's here today. And then I went back and I'm thinking, I'm inspired, God, I'm just gonna go write this thing, let's go. And then someone walks into my office and they, they shut the door and they were in distress and they wanted to talk, right? Or another person came in and they had an issue that they needed to work through or another person uh, just lost a, a friend. And I'm, li I'm literally, it's almost comical to me now because I'm sitting in my office saying, all right, Lord, interrupt me, let's go. And it just, the door just kept revolving. And so I'm sitting at my kitchen table at about midnight putting some words together for a message and this quote stood out to me, and I want to share it with you. Henry Nowen. He said, you know, my whole life I have been complaining that my work was constantly interrupted until I discovered that my interruptions were my work. I'm going to read that one more time. You know, my whole life I've been complaining that my work was constantly interrupted until I discovered that my interruptions were my work. And, and I wanna ask this question, how many moves of God have we missed out on because we didn't slow down? Because we didn't allow ourselves to be interrupted. But Jesus stops. Jesus allows himself to be interrupted. Who touched me and this woman falls at the feet of Jesus. embarrassed, scared, alone, but like healed and happy, but she's been called out publicly now. How is this gonna work out? You see, I've been actually journaling through the Gospel of Mark. Um, and to be honest with you, um, not to sound like holy or anything, it's the shortest gospel, okay? <laughs> and it's like succinct and to the point, it's actually my least favorite of the gospels. But one of the things that we know in the gospel of Mark is it looks like it was the original gospel written that helped shape some of the writings in the books of Matthew and the books of Luke. We call these the synoptic gospels. And so I normally skip over Mark because the other gospels have far more details than Mark does. And as I get into Mark, I'm like, all right, I need to actually spend some time in this book. And so I started journaling through it. And actually in the fall, I journaled through Mark chapter five. Because it struck me as I was thinking about these people, I was thinking about the demon-possessed guy and uh, Jairus and uh, the woman with the issue of blood and their intentions with Jesus. And trust me, I may say some things that make you uncomfortable right now, but I'm just gonna read this to you. These are all desperate people. We see no evidence that they believed Jesus was who he said he was. Nor did they say a special prayer or anything religious. In fact, Jesus was their last shot. Nothing else was working, chains, doctors, prayers, money, nothing else was working, and now Jesus. 
And Jesus comes through. If people could just touch his robe and catch a glimpse of Jesus and reach out, they don't need all the answers. Just an encounter with Jesus, that's all. Just Jesus. Jesus is enough, even if you just come to him as a last resort, with no other intention than to get what you want. Even in Jesus' healings, people were selfish, but he took joy in meeting their needs. Does that make you uncomfortable? That there is a whole group of people that just want to use Jesus for what Jesus can do for them? And I find that sometimes I can get like defensive of that. But what did Jesus do? He healed them, right? That Jesus wasn't as concerned about their intentions, right, at that moment. He was concerned about meeting their need in the moment. But we also know that when Jesus meets a need in someone's life, when Jesus gets a hold of someone, man, that changes things, doesn't it? And I want you to know that in this church, as we are surrounded a lot of times by people that are hurting and broken, and we were those people ourselves, that everyone's intentions aren't always gonna be pure and perfect, but Jesus welcomes them anyways. And Jesus heals and touches them anyways. In fact, I love his response to this woman because as she kneels down in front of Jesus, not sure what Jesus would say, he says, daughter, daughter. And I find it interesting that he calls her daughter because we don't know her intentions. Everyone else, in fact, the Bible calls this the woman with the issue of blood, a person that has been defined by her issue. Aren't you grateful that God doesn't define us by our issue? That God looks at her and says, hey, daughter, hey, person that I love, your faith has made you well. In fact, another translation for made you well is saved. Your faith has saved you. This person that just wanted to be healed, we're unsure of intentions. You're my daughter, and I'm saving you. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. I want to share a video with you this morning about my friend, Tyler. Tyler had an encounter with Jesus. And I know it's going to wreck you just like it wrecked me. Check it out. It all started with Tyler. Um, actually, last school year, we were hanging out, and one of my favorite things to do is getting to help out in youth ministry, being a group leader. And ended up with this eclectic group of dudes, and uh, we would meet on Wednesdays, and Tyler started showing up. My brother Dominic invited me. Uh, he invited me here along with my sister. It was, it was interesting my first time, because I didn't know what to do. I was confused, because this was during when we were doing the summer games. So I just kind of, kept myself and just what I was doing until these two came up to me and just started, and we just started talking. They helped me feel more welcomed here at the church. 
he would show up and then we wouldn't see him for a while and then he'd come back again and he'd start to ask different questions and we got to know him better. We got to learn about his schooling and his life and we didn't totally know where he stood with Jesus other than he kept coming back. And it was just really cool to start to see this uh, metamorphosis, if you will, of his life. Tyler started to like change. Fast forward to the beginning of this school year back in the fall. And Tyler comes up to me and I think I had preached down in youth. And I talked about God's word and the Bible. And he said, hey, do you have a Bible? And I was like, yeah, of course. Like we can get you a Bible. And so he takes it and then a couple weeks later he comes back and says, can you teach me how to read this? And you know, I, I, I don't know, I was probably like youth pastor mode or whatever. I was like, well, you can read it on your own. <laughs> like you can just open that thing up, man. Let me just tell you, I'll show you where to go. And you, he's like, no, 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 listen, listen. I've tried that. He's like, but this book isn't like other books and novels that I read with chapters and different things like that. He said, it just doesn't make sense to me. Will you read it with me? And I said, well, surprisingly enough, and this is kind of funny as a, a pastor, no one had ever asked me to read the Bible with them. And I was like, yeah. The first night we got together, we read the Bible and he had all of these questions and was genuinely curious. And I was like, oh, okay, this is really awesome. Well, later that night he left our Bible study and he went to youth group and I believe Pastor Bailey was preaching and gave an invitation. And in the fall, Tyler gave his heart to Jesus. The moment I gave, I gave my heart to Jesus was the moment that I stopped, I stopped caring about all the little things that just were wrong in my life and just all that other things and started caring about the good big things that are in my life, like friends, family, and other things that I love doing. Right. And Jesus is another thing that I love. That's why I'm still here. He calls us to him. He calls us to believe in him. He calls on us to trust him. He calls us to do everything through him so that we shall not lose faith. I don't know, it still wrecks me when I think about it. When you get to see when someone with fresh eyes encounters Jesus, how Jesus changes everything. And we started doing this Bible study thing, just reading, and so he said, hey, like, let's bring some other people along. And so we brought a couple other guys in from the group, Matthew and Caleb, and we just like literally sit around, open up the Bible, we read together, and then we say, hey, what do you see? What stands out? And we just talk about Jesus together. And, and so the other day, Tyler texted me and said, hey, I just signed up to be baptized. I was like, like, what? Like, that's crazy, congratulations. And I was like, why? And he's like, well, I felt like it was the next step, and I felt weird still coming here after a year and after believing in him to not get baptized, because he's done so much for me and my family, even if we don't know what it is. What, uh, what are you looking forward to in your baptism? To be free to live life with him, for my story to be his. And now Tyler's growing in his faith. Uh, Tyler's getting baptized. I'm so proud of him and what God is doing in his life. And uh, the other guys are growing, Matthew's growing. Caleb's wanting to take steps in his faith. It's so cool when God gives you a front seat view of some of the amazing things that he's doing. 
And that's why I get to hang out with these guys. And uh, I can't wait for Easter Sunday. Can we praise the Lord for what he's doing in Tyler's life? I'm all cried out. I've cried every time I've seen that video and I think that's number five for me. But getting to have a front seat view of someone that encounters Jesus for the first time and how Jesus changes everything. That's the key. Jesus changes everything and Tyler came and was hanging out and making friends and then he ran into Jesus. He's getting baptized Easter Sunday. I sure hope you're there to see it. But maybe you're here and you'd say, you know what, I wanna get baptized. You can get baptized too. Maybe you've run into Jesus recently. Or maybe you still do need to. You see, I'm gonna give you a little sneak peek to uh, Tyler's baptism testimony because he quotes the book of Mark. Jesus, after he leaves the woman they're on their way to heal the child and these people run up, these messengers, and they say to Jairus, hey, your daughter's died, don't bother Jesus anymore. Jesus said, let's keep going. Watch what I can do. He goes in there and People mock Jesus and they laugh at him because he said, hey, don't worry, she's not dead. She's only sleeping. And they laugh. And Jesus kicks everyone out of the room. Except for mom and dad and a couple of disciples. And he says, little girl, get up. And she comes to life. And when Jesus said, why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead, she's only asleep. Tyler quotes that, he said, that's my favorite verse. And I was like, really? He said, yeah. He said, it shows the amazing things that Jesus can do. Because that's the kind of God we serve, right? That Jesus heals a woman that's unclean for 12 years and gives her life and that Jesus goes to a 12-year-old girl and brings her back from the dead. The truth is when people encounter Jesus, their lives are changed. Church, would you stand with me this morning? Because I believe today there are some of you that have been standing on the outskirts that have been standing on the edge of the crowd waiting for a moment of courage to push through and touch Jesus. That there are some of you in this place that are not totally convinced about who Jesus says he is, but you know that you've tried everything else. I wanna share one final thing with you and this is actually from the mouth of my five-year-old. Because the other day we're watching this show called The Chosen. I don't know if you've heard of this before. It's a show about Jesus. It's free. You should check it out. It's really good. And uh, Jesus tells Simon Peter in the story, he says, cast your net to the other side. 
and it turns out really well. And then Jesus looks at Simon Peter and he said, follow me. Simon, follow me. Man, and my five-year-old, without any prompting, said, I'd follow him. And I'm like, why? Why would you follow him? And without skipping a beat said, because he's good. Because he's good. Jesus does amazing things regardless of our intentions, but he calls us to follow him and we can trust him because he's good. He's gonna be good to you. He's able to be interrupted by you and he wants to interrupt your life. And so at this time, I'm gonna invite some of our pastors down to the front here. They're gonna be on the right side and on the left side because a key part of Jesus' ministry is healing. You know that? I hope you see it in this story. And these guys are gonna anoint you with oil. If you're one of those people that needs healing, maybe there's someone in this place that has been battling something for so long that you've given up hope, maybe today is your day. We're gonna worship together and I'm gonna ask you to step out from the fringes of the crowd and I'm gonna ask you to push through to Jesus and touch his robe today. If you need prayer, these benches are gonna be open. We'll be down here. And in fact, I'm gonna ask some of our worship team, uh, can you guys help me here in a little bit and pray for people? And we're gonna encounter Jesus today. Church, are you hungry for Jesus? All it takes is a moment of courage and faith. I'm gonna ask you at this time as we worship to step out and see what you can do. Thanks for joining us for this week's podcast. Stay connected with us at thenaz.church.